0: Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I don't know why I just felt I could do like a robot voice there. <laughs> anyway, my name is Clark and with me is Cullen. How you doing Cullen? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Catch you? T- I'm like pumped can you feel the energy the you're excitement? sounding a bit robotic there for this. I, <laughs> <laughs> well it's like all this time on zoom right i've just been yeah. sp- you know spending so much time in front of computers i'm turning into one anyway <laughs> uh welcome everybody for episode 33 where we are going to be discussing cullen's favorite film of all mm-hmm. time i hope i'm not speaking out of turn there i think you said this was your favorite yes, film yeah. if you had to boil it down to one
1: Mm-hmm. butch cassidy and the Sundance kid yeah it's actually funny because this has been since i was seven years old when i first saw it my fa- like that long it's that is amazing so. well that
0: it's it's awesome it's always and like we've, we've hit on this numerous times but it's it's hysterical to me that you and i are 20 years apart um but a testament obviously to your fantastic parents or whoever it was <laughs> in your life that introduced you to all of these amazing uh films and that you didn't grow up on like power rangers or whatever the hell else was on yeah. tv when you were like yeah,
1: yeah i don't even know what was on tv i do find that in. funny because i always there's always like people that are my age that will reference movies that came out on like more particularly tv movies that right came out around the time that i was young And uh, like, I haven't seen any of them. Like, I don't (laughs) I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's it's like so. Yeah.
0: So you were you were raised with some good taste, which is awesome. mm -hmm. But yeah. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which, of course, I'm sure most of you are familiar with. But Mm -hmm. 1969 uh, Western directed by George Roy Hill. I always have to slow that down because I don't know why it's the Roy throws me off in the middle of his name. Um, uh, William Goldman, of course, wrote it. And uh, Mr. Paul Newman, who is one of my favorite actors. I was going to say that too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And maybe the most handsome man to have ever lived. Yes. Uh, And and (laughs) and Robert Redford. uh, Mm -hmm. Which it's like, wow, yeah. When you can, uh, when Robert Redford is like, you know, second fiddle. And it, this it, launched it takes, his
1: career, too. This was kind of it his did. first big, yeah. It, Yeah, it did. It did. That's right. I've That's got right. My, well, of course, my Sundance mustache on right now. You've
0: got your so, yeah. Sundance, well, of course, you know, uh, Sundance Film Festival. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously this had a big impact on both these actors. And then if I'm not mistaken, I think Paul Newman, didn't he name his uh, one of his... Uh, nonprofit foundations, the kid, the the like, hole in the wall gang or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, there was something I think, along those lines. Yeah, yeah, I think he it was his series of camps. I think that he mm-hmm. started for underprivileged children, and I think it might have been tied in with his Newman's own. You know, he donate mm-hmm. they donate all of profits uh, from the Newman's own line of salad dressings and other things
1: uh yeah, so, yeah. so yeah i mean clearly which this is a, a little bit ironic too tidbit little fun fact that yeah. the the real butch cassidy gang was actually called the wild bunch and they just operated out of hole in the wall wyoming right so they weren't actually called the hole in the wall gang they were actually called the wild bunch which is of course another famous late 60s western right and, yeah and i think
0: if i if i'm not mistaken i think that this production was aware of the Mm -hmm. other production yeah uh, pick and pause film and i think there was some concern they were afraid that they were going to be named the same or they might yeah there there, there was there was some 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 concern there so so yeah definitely but so uh, so clearly uh, a big film for these two actors now of course paul newman had been a star for you know years before this film and Mm -hmm. like you said robert redford became a star uh in part uh because of this film but uh, yeah, in '69, I mean, it was the it was the top-grossing film released that year, well yeah, over, over hundred million, yeah, which was huge for back then. Yeah, only um, on a six million dollar budget too. So. I know. I mean, can yeah. you, it's it's insane to me. First of all, that you look and you see what six million dollars could buy back then. Now, clearly, yes. of yeah. course, you know, inflation. I don't know, six million. I'm going to take a wild guess. Maybe that's thirty million today. Back in '69, numbers. I'm not sure, but still. Amazing that you could do so much with that amount of money back then. And, uh, it mm-hmm. actually was critically successful. Now, there were some kind of split, uh, reviews, but, uh, the Academy loved the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. how many? And I think it was it w- very,
1: and it was very, like, you know, culturally, I think most audiences, big culturally, really audience reviews. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious why this is also my favorite movie as well, because, you know, it's got, uh, it's, it's got my favorite, um, one of my favorite writers, William Goldman. Uh-huh. My favorite actor, Paul Newman. Okay. My favorite cinematographer, Conrad L. Hall. Wow. Um, or Connie Hall. So it's
0: just hitting all the boxes for you, man. Yep, And it's
1: a Western. I always love Westerns. And it's a Western. Westerns, you got to so. look.
0: So, so let yeah. okay, well, let, let's just jump right into that. Cause, you know, one of my favorite things, I, I always, I love hearing about people's stories and how they find a film. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of us, you know, right, the, there's not just the film itself, but it's like, how does a film meet us in our life, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what's the, the set and setting the time and place, you know, uh, has such a huge impact on what films really speak to us and what films don't and and maybe those things change over time. So tell us a little bit about your story with this film and and uh, how it kind of came to hold this premier spot in your mind.
1: I think a big part of it was um, well, I was seven when I first saw it um, and my dad showed it to me and okay. um I think, like, just upon viewing it, I think I was really just kind of, like, enthralled by the the lightness of it and the, the humor in it. And yeah. how, I think, contemporary to me it felt then. Um, and that it was, um, again, you know, being seven years old, you can't really contextualize these things. Like, it's not like I was sitting there doing an analysis of the, the movie. <laughs> right. but, but there was, like, a big element to it of just, it felt like, you know two friends like having fun and it really i mean even so like um you know as a kid i i went out to the rocky mountains a lot and hiked and climbed and would play in the woods with friends and and there's like a lot of moments in this movie that really just feel like it's butch and sundance like running up and down a mountain and and just running through some woods and (laughs) it 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 just kind of it's it really it feels so like on a very so which one were you when you were a kid which one were you i was always butch you were always butch okay okay um but I, I, there was always this element to it that just felt um, very, very real and sort of almost accessible from, like, a level of, uh, of like, playtime. Like, and I always yeah. liked Star Wars as a kid, too. But, of course, it's more difficult to pretend you're on Hoth and have, like, AT-ATs coming at you than it is to, <laughs> to, to be Butch and Sundance running through a forest. Um, and so there was a yeah there was a huge element of it that sparked like my imagination I think as I grew up too, and I always liked westerns like even before I'd seen this I was always really into yeah you know the um, Leone westerns and, and you and like your that. dad w- watched a lot of westerns together yeah. right yeah, yeah so same with and, me yeah so there was a huge like love of that and this one I think was also a big thing of it was it felt so different like it really doesn't feel like a typical western you don't have the Ennio Morricone score you don't have um, you know there's zooms in this movie but there aren't a ton of those like typical spaghetti western crash zooms right it's not as i would say um you pessimistic to... as a lot of those movies are either it's it's, yeah. it's i mean not that it's necessarily as you know it's not the a happy ending Very but different. It's, yeah. yeah it's not necessarily like the movie is not grim um for for the grand majority of it right um, and so i think that that was a huge part of it and i remember like even again as i got older and i you know, it's when I, was, I remember when red Dead redemption the first game came out that this movie impacted me so much that there was a point when i remember playing the online add-on of that game it was like the just the multiplayer which was just the, the whole map it was just a free roam there wasn't much right. to do but you basically just went online and could play with other people and you know there was like yeah. little missions you could do um and i remember at one point this player was just chasing me across the map, like super far away. I never saw him, but I could like watch his little dot on the map just following my trail. <laughs> and we went all over and I never saw him, but like there would be a point where I'd be standing in a meadow or something and shots would ring out from the distance. And it felt like, I just remember this, again, this movie just had such an impact. I was like, this is like Butch and Sundance. I'm oh, being chased across by this this yeah. distant, you know, malevolent force that's coming after me. So yeah. throughout my entire childhood and again, up into my career, you know, I made a, I made a Western a few, I guess two or three years ago now. Um, that was directly, directly inspired by this movie. You know, every single facet of that movie was um, pulled from Butch casting The Sundance Kid. I did kind of an extensive research on the cinematography. And um, so there's a huge amount of, of influence that this movie's had on me. And even like beyond its genre. Yeah. Um, a, a ton of the things that I've written have, if not directly like crabbed wow. things from this film um, have very much been inspired by just the, the tone, the way that, that the characters interact, the, the banter between Butch and Sundance, the, um, the camera work, you know, I, I, I pull so much from just like the way yeah. that the camera moves and, and, um, reveals information in this movie, um, that even again, in, in contemporary settings in the feature that I'm doing this summer, there are certainly shots in there that are directly linked to to butch and sundance so, so
0: like i just want to make sure i'm understanding then because i just in case it's not clear so mm-hmm. you kind of like this film just a it's little okay. bit. it's <laughs> okay yeah, <yeah>. well that's <laughs> awesome. you know i
1: like i actually i like butch cassidy but i prefer the sequel the sundance kid and i think it's funny that they're always packaged together as, as yeah. kind of a duo movie so <laughs> but um bunch that's all <laughs> <you awesome>. <laughs> that's so so cool my joke I, of the day And when, (laughs) so did you, did you watch this like on TV? Was it like a, like a, did you guys I I actually remember exactly the, the, so my dad came home with a like triple set of movies. It was this. uh, On VHS, right? Yeah. uh, I think it was on, yeah, I think they were, I have the blue right now, but I think the original set we had was VHS. So it was this, it was A Bridge Too Far. And it was the Dirty Dozen, or was
0: it DVD? Because you're young enough that I guess. Well, how, how well, old? How old? Well, if when you... I was
1: seven, it was seven. when I was seven would have been I guess it would have what what I would have been two thousand five. So. so that definitely could have been DVD. Yeah, it could have been. It was. I think I can't remember if it was bought or if it was just a pack yeah. that we already had. But yeah, so it was a combination. It was like it was like a three pack of of just movies that were saran wrapped together, basically. Of yeah. This, um, yeah, Bridge Too Far, and then. Uh, the Dirty Dozen, which I I nice. also love those two movies as well, but yeah, this one your, your again, your dad's really, got good taste. Really stuck out to me. Yeah, this one was very much the kind of the the big one for me. That, I love um, how
0: that like to me that's so fascinating. It it mm-hmm. and you know we have not yet covered a film. Uh, I mean, Mad Max and Road Warrior are very close uh, to uh, as far as my relationship to them. You know, mm-hmm. being similar to your relationship to this film. But I, I, I but I don't think we've hit on exactly yet uh, the film that would be the, the parallel for me as this is to you. Yes. and It'll yeah. be fun when we do that. But I just it really is. I I'm always mesmerized by and just really interested in how that works, like how you know what this magic. I feel like it's such a magical thing that takes place between the film and All of the work that's gone into this film and the vision of the director and, you know, the performances and the cinematography and the writing. I mean, it takes hundreds, if not thousands of people nowadays to (laughs) put together a film. And it's such a crapshoot. As to whether that's going to speak to you or not, you're throwing, you're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. You're just throwing it at the, and it's just, it's so. I, I mean, it's that's the thing, that's the dream. I mean, that any anybody who's ever worked on a film, anybody who's ever been a part of some kind of creative endeavor. I mean, this you are describing what. The highest possible dream, yes. the best possible the, the outcome could of, ever yeah. be of like. But I think
1: it's so funny too because there's a lot of choices in this movie, which we'll get into later, yeah. that aren't typical. Like that were probably very risky choices. Very risky, um, I even would just say. down to casting. Like I think the original cast for or the original choice for Sundance was uh, Steve McQueen. And Steve McQueen and and right. uh, Paul Newman could, like didn't get along and couldn't agree well, on. Redford who would get was top mostly Illinois. unknown. Mostly yeah, exactly. When and, and, and Newman yeah. knew Redford and basically said, "Let's like this guy's really good. I, I promise yeah. you he'll be good," and, and that he basically put his own name on the line to get right. Redford in it. And I think it's also funny because, again, as a, like as a really young kid, I remember you know I would go to I was in like a ski club as a kid like a ski you know learning competition. I remember that there was right. um, this guy. Who Wait, was it wasn't in, like, I, it wasn't hockey. I did do hockey as well. Okay, because I was going to say, uh, all whoa, winter whoa. Sports up whoa. Here.
0: I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to be, be kicked their... out of the country.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I remember this older guy, probably in his like 60s, when we were talking about movies one day, we were on, we were on the bus going to one of the ski hills and um, asked me like what my favorite movie was because I think it was just something that came up. I was probably nine at the time. Yeah. And I said this, and he was like, you you're like right. nine years old and this totally is your, it was really yeah yeah and, and again it's one of those things that every time i watch this movie i probably watch it once every few years maybe once every two or so years yeah and every time i do i always it's again it's like am i gonna see more flaws in it this time is it gonna kind of like not and it's held up wear huh? it down? yeah but no I mean, it's always clearly. held up it doesn't i think a big part of that is that it's not again super simple story not super long it doesn't overstay its welcome mm-hmm. um like right when things kind of get normal in this like in this context of story right when you kind of get into the norm of things things switch and i think that that's a really big part of mm-hmm. of the movie is that like you've got this you know the movie opens of course on the dynamic of the gang and that they're robbing this train and the one the first train robbery of course is successful and then the second is not. And so it's like, right when you get this dynamic of, okay, here's how the gang operates. We switch it up. Now they're on the run. And yeah. then right when you get kind of used to them being on the run. Okay. Now they're in Bolivia. Right. And they're doing that. And then right when they get to Bolivia and things. now there's a montage. Bolivia, now there's now, like a music yeah. video. Now. So there's I think a... <laughs> that it's just the way that the story keeps moving forward, I think is really a testament to like Goldman's script and how, yeah. how good, how good it is. And of course, Goldman went on to write some fantastic really amazing movies. exceptional. Um, yeah. But, um, it just, to me again, and it just, you know, for a brief comparison, um, I think that one of the things that I find with a lot of movies from this era, um, is that there's always points that kind of, there's like dips. And so I was watching, for example, a few of the Pink Panther movies, the Peter Sellers Pink Panther movies the right. the day, um, directed by Blake Edwards and, um, as good as those are, and as much as I like remember watching them as a kid and thinking that they're really funny, there's always moments in those movies where you're just kind of, cringe. All right, you know, let's move it on. <laughs> <This> <laughs> right, it's or kind yeah. of slopping and and this again, this movie has none of those for me. Like this, okay, this, it moves forward. It it doesn't take its time or too much time on anything, and you know, not even to mention again, which we'll get into the the beautiful imagery and cinematography yeah. done by Conrad L. Hall, and um, so yeah, I think that okay. that's a big part okay. of why. I that's As awesome. I, said, it's, I mean, you know, it's a five out of 10.
0: <laughs> I, I yeah, I uh, well, that's I, it, like I said, it's that's the dream. Anybody mm-hmm. who ever makes anything, this is the kind of this is what you hope for to have this yes. even with yeah. one person. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, for me, I, I boy, I'm like to follow your you know story on how you came to this film. Mine is nowhere near that. I honestly can't even remember how old I was when I first saw the film, but I was not young. Um, Although I also very much like Westerns and I grew up watching Westerns with my father as well. It was kind of a bonding thing for me. I was much more kind of focused on spaghetti Westerns. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't ever recall actually having seen this film with my father or, or, you know, as a young kid. And honestly, it probably wasn't until I was in my 20s that I just that I saw this film on my own as I was going through you know probably it was probably something like i was going through paul newman's you know filmography, yeah, filmography and so yeah, this was yeah. one i hadn't seen and so you know i rented it you know or something that's mm-hmm. probably the case um but i i did not have the the same extent of you know the same type of reaction that you did to it so this will be interesting to kind of compare and contrast and i i may um, have some different opinions or different thoughts Mm -hmm. about how I was impacted on some things. But so that'll be interesting. But yeah, for me, it did not hold the same. It didn't captivate me uh, as much. A lot of things stood out to me as being uh, fascinating, interesting, some things confusing, some things a little, hmm, that's an interesting choice. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, (laughs) definitely a movie I enjoyed watching. Definitely a movie that, you know... um, that, that I'm happy that I saw, and, and I th- I hadn't seen it in a long time. Uh, So watching it now in preparation for this was the first time I'd seen it in quite a while, uh, and I definitely enjoyed watching it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit then, after since we've kind of covered our personal, you know, how we kind of came to the films personally, mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about the context. Let's try to put this film into the context of, you know, what was happening in 1969 in cinema, and especially American mm-hmm. cinema, and I think... The fact that it's a western has some importance. And... Well, I think
1: that's a really interesting point that you made too about that you you were into westerns and that but you just don't really recall seeing this yeah. one because I, I wouldn't really say that this is ever like grouped in with other westerns. Agreed. Um, that it's it's because it doesn't you know other than the fact that it takes place in the west, it doesn't mm-hmm. other you know there's not really much that feels like a Western. There's not really, there's of course like a, you know, there's the gunfight at the end of it. There's no, I think that's really apart from like three other instances of guns being fired. There's no showdowns. There's no, right. Um, you know, duel at dawn. There's no, I
0: mean, it's definitely um, not a John Wayne or like no. John yeah. Ford or even, you know, it's not, it's a, not about
1: like the frontier in that nope. way. It's not it's like not, this, yeah. you
0: know, and, and that's important to know too. You know, I think that, that, uh, you know, Westerns were, uh historically the most uh popular and successful mm-hmm. genre of film in america for the yes. longest time yes now by the time we get to 1969 that's no longer becoming the case you have uh you know the 50s uh turn into the 60s and we have a significant cultural changes going on in the country mm-hmm. and that's mirrored in uh the the popularity of what types of films um you know, and uh, so this film is at an interesting, it's like at an interesting crossroad where, you know, like you said, it's it, it's not really a Western, but yet it, it definitely like on face value kind of looks like a Western. You have mm-hmm. horses, you have the Western landscape, you have some shootouts, but in tone, in story, in music. execution, in music, you have something that does not look like a Western at all. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and I, you know, and I wonder if that might've confused or kind of agitated some critics at the time. Cause you know, if you go back and you look at, um,
1: Ebert, especially,
0: <laughs> right. If you look at, yeah. if you look at some, you know, some critics really enjoyed it, of course, but a lot of people were split and other people were like, I don't get, you know, what was this, what, what's raindrops keep falling on my head doing in this movie? Yeah. What, you know, what, and I, what, I
1: think that that's the thing is that it very much to me in more ways than one is aware of the fact that the Western is going out of fashion. Mm-hmm. And I think that I almost, to me, that's what the movie's about that it's about mm. the fall of the Wild West. It's about civilization encroaching yeah. on these gangs, and yep. which I think, again, is the reason why something like Red Dead Redemption and Red Dead Redemption 2, which is about the fall of the Wild West and about civilization so, so like, liberally takes from this movie is because... Yeah. You yeah, know, to me again, it's it's almost like a metaphor for the Western genre that yeah. you've got that scene when they're talking to the um, the sheriff that they kind of are friendly with, and he says, "You guys are done. Your your age is over. You're yeah. you're yeah. you're dead. You're gonna die, and it's gonna be bloody. And the only thing you can do is choose where, which of course is true." Um, but I think to me that that almost is like the filmmakers saying Statement. that about the the Western genre that it's it's. The, and, uh, and one of the things that I always like about exploring Westerns when I teach a class and do a lesson on Westerns is that, again, at the beginning of cinema, the advent of cinema, Westerns were contemporary. Westerns were not period pieces. They were actually, you know, the Great Train Robbery, that 15-minute silent right. film, was that was occurring at the time. If you went out West, if you went out to Utah, California... Um, Oregon that was what was going on and so I think it's really neat that it's a genre that grew up with cinema um, and that went from being a contemporary piece of kind of adventure from you know the frontier to now it's a period piece and so you get to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and you kind of realize that oh yeah the conventions that we're used to in westerns are you know, whether it's John Ford's Westerns with John Wayne and the big vistas and the frontier and the idea of this, this, you know, positive push of civilization out, where now it's about like the second wave of civilization. And that usually means law and order. Right. And so you're losing the element of rules, just structure, just civilization, bureaucracy, you're getting exactly. You're getting. Rules structure, um, you know, on a much larger scale, like just capitalist enterprise is coming out. So, and that's a big part of this is that it's not the law that goes after Butch Cassidy and the Kid. It's a posse formed by a businessman who they keep robbing.
0: Yeah, and um, which is an interesting point too. Not to mm-hmm. not to get like necessarily too far off on this, but it's not that, that crime goes away. It's that the type the the type of criminal that's allowed to exist changes. It changes. Yes. It, yeah. it, it, it changes from a a personal uh you know criminal like the, the the small gangs or individuals who are robbing banks or trains yeah. to incorporated criminals you know, people who now own land, own large companies, have lots mm-hmm. of resources, and they're able to kind of wrap up their criminal enterprises, or you know, uh, things that are kind of on the on the line of criminal or not criminal. You know, uh, like putting the law into your own hands and hiring a posse of people to go kill somebody who's robbed you. It, it was probably not necessarily straight, <laughs> straight yeah. uh, uh, legal. You know. But but yeah. it's the it's like the incorporation. It's the like enveloping of crime into a bureaucracy that um, that I think kind of is part of this that takes place. But yeah, yeah. And, and I think that it's, you know, and, and, and they, it, they did such a great job in this film of of keeping that posse uh, for, you know, for half the film basically are, you know, uh, the main characters are being chased by this posse by keeping them nameless and faceless mm-hmm. and keeping them kind of. Uh, they're almost you know it's almost like these representative films, almost yeah. like that like the terminator or so many yeah. other films where yeah. it's 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 an inevitability that is chasing you um
1: and that's of course exactly what's happening in this film it's the well, inevitability. that's why i love it because it, it, yeah. to me is the the movie at, at a whole is about the death of the wild west yeah um it's and so and i think which is really interesting because to me the wild bunch is very similar but it just takes a different approach to that the right. wild bunch to me is a movie that's about the death of the wild west due to violence and due yeah, and to yeah hopefully we can it'll yeah. be fun
0: to do that one in another in a yeah. later
1: episode yeah cuz there there's a
0: lot to con- to compare and contrast there and since westerns are I, we both love westerns maybe we'll, we'll do a few more westerns here over mm-hmm. the course of our episodes so yeah i mean so you know context too i mean we have Uh, You know, Easy Rider was released the same year. We've got Mm -hmm. New Hollywood and we've talked a little bit about New Hollywood. You know, New Hollywood is coming into its own um, and that's changing things up a lot. Uh, And and so this is interesting. This film does kind of sit in it. And I think even, you know, you have Paul Newman, who was uh, a star of the earlier Hollywood system, who is, you know, this traditionally, you know, attractive, handsome man. Uh, he's already established. You have Redford coming in, who's not so established, who's kind of this younger, you know, kind of sidekick. It's 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 interesting uh, that the film straddles a unique time
1: in American cinema. Yeah. And it, uh, I mean, and you, again, even down to so like we talk about the, you know, new Hollywood movement. Um, mm-hmm. The big cinematographers in that age were Conrad Hall, Gordon Willis. Right. Um, vittorio storaro laszlo Kov- kovacs who did uh, easy rider or mm-hmm. easy rider right um and so i think it's really interesting again that you're getting out of this very formal um you know the western genre which was typically seen as sort of more of the formal again john ford very workman directors and things like that very much yeah um is now suddenly you know shot on this really dirtied up film stock by conrad hall yeah so let's talk about yeah let's talk about it i mean this is
0: a huge part of this film i mean you know
1: uh i
0: mean it's obviously um uh conrad hall is considered widely to be one of the best you know greatest cinematographers to ever Mm. you know to ever light a scene uh to ever work in film and uh i think it's like I mean, I don't know.
1: How many Academy Awards has he
0: won? I think three. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was, three.
1: He won for this. He won for, um, I think, American Beauty. Yes, American Beauty. Um and I can't um, his third one. I can't remember was either. Was it In Cold uh, Blood? Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. In the, 2002. The Sam Mendes, yeah. Um, so, um, and nominated something like... Which a is an Grease, amazing looking like, movie. That movie is, I mean, even... that movie, The fact that movie came out in 2002 and looks... Yeah. Not that things were bad in 2002, but just it, it looks it's a it's a league above anything else that that really came out around that time. Yeah. Um, Nominated no, for I, I, 10. I, but yeah. So let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about it because, you know, it's one of the it, it, it
0: was it's so immediately obvious. I mean, it's, you know, even if you are not a, a kind of, you know, a film nut or, a you know, a connoisseur, I mean, the cinematography really does have a personality. Mm. Everything from, you know, film stock to exposure to
1: the use, of, you know, lens usage, zooms. I mean, Yeah, it, really new Panavision <laughs> zooms. It was like 50 to 500 millimeters. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, we,
0: the, the, the way that he composes and recomposes shots yes. uh, with yeah. movement and with zoom.
1: Um, and he you know, famously liked to only shoot on longer lenses. I think, yeah, as I said, like it was 50 right. was kind of his minimum. And because of that, the camera's always further away from the action than you might typically expect right it's so not that, up in the face of it it's it's so very, this is something yeah. yeah
0: i know that you so you had spent a lot of time studying this so this will be mm-hmm. kind of interesting because we'll be able to get into a little bit of this nitty-gritty of this maybe more than usual so i don't know when I, when I was watching out know, to like now we have to speak a little bit too I think you know the only transfer that I'm aware of is an old blu-ray transfer that yes. I think you said 2007 yeah. or 2008 mm-hmm. I don't know if the digital version that might be available on iTunes or somewhere else is the same or different I, I can't yeah because there's speak a
1: 4k version but I don't know if yeah I don't know if it's just an upscale there's or there's no if actually physical a there's
0: no physical media yeah. at least in the United States for a 4k version yeah it's but, only but online yeah the transfer was tough the transfer I had mm-hmm. was was uh clearly not a lot of love was put in to this which is a shame um it's this film is definitely deserving of it but it was it dirty there's damage on the negative um you can see there's color banding and clipping it it it, it's a notoriously not great transfer
1: and it's it's really i mean that shows how important it is to do good transfers because one of the things that this movie is really noted for and that conrad l hall did intentionally was really overexpose right And film famously handles overexposed highlights beautifully. Um, In fact, I would say that overexposed film has a really, really beautiful, gorgeous look to it that Mm -hmm. that digital doesn't simply because digital has, you know, a much lower highlight ceiling, at least earlier digital technology. It's getting there now, but, um, but film always just handles highlights really, really beautifully, especially overexposed highlights. So you're going from moments where... The sky is overexposed, and you can basically all you can do is imagine how good it would look on a thirty-five millimeter print. Yeah, (laughs) but because it was you know this two thousand and seven transfer, sort of before really really great scanning material, it's like you can see highlight clipping and things like that. And of course, that's nothing against the movie because it's not like Conrad Hall was dead by then, and so it's not like he could have overseen it or anything. But um, I just think it's a shame. I think it's like. You, you, a movie like this that it, you know again has a lot of cultural relevance. Um, certainly, is, de- is certainly yeah deserves
0: a greater. We can yeah, yeah and I could go on and on about the Travis. Maybe we'll be of, the change for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, this podcast right. Hey, will, right. I don't know who I forget what who who owns it, but whoever owns this Fox. film, well Disney now Disney now is Disney please. So so yeah. that so it's it's actually unlikely then. I highly doubt that they yes. will ever see yeah. a, a physical release. Sadly, but perhaps it's it very be sad. Yeah. Rescanned and and. Uh, and remastered for uh 4k delivery online yeah. at least but so let's get back to that yeah i mean so some interesting choices that he makes um right so we're talking i mean as far as i can understand overexposed most of the outdoor stuff by mm-hmm. two even three stops yeah Um, uh, and you know you get this i mean i almost feel you know in trying to imagine in my mind what this would look like without the limitations of the blu-ray but i mean i feel like a heat like um i really get a sense of of kind of i mean the landscape seems to almost be even more oppressive because it takes mm-hmm. some of the color out of the sky right and it gives it this like i i don't know is it but it feels hot yeah to me. i mean it i feels... think i think the
1: thing is too when it's when it's like you look at the sweat on people's faces glares more yeah and so when they're dirty when they've got dust on them it's so much more apparent that they've got like
0: it's grittier dust and
1: grime yeah. on their face and um and and just even you know they put filters they put um You know, some people call them low cons, but, you know, basically glare filters on on pretty much all the outdoor shots. The sky is super, super washed out as well. It's really, you know, of course, again, when you overexpose film, it loses saturation. So it's really, you know, not super saturated, but um, very glowy. There are a lot of like glows in the highlights and very soft, Um, especially because those early anamorphics as well. were really The very soft zooms um, that you get. Exactly. You get this. It's not like a beautiful glow. And I would say the only moments in this movie that are really shot that look, you know, intentionally beautified are the raindrops keep f- falling on your head. Yeah, scene. like um, very like romanticized. Scene, again, very, very much looks like a yeah. almost more music video than not in a negative way. I actually I mean, I like that. I know that's a hot topic. Scene and you really get people, you really but... get a golden sun in yes. that you there's a yeah. there's a there's a warmth to the light in mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. moment
0: that you actually don't see anywhere throughout. I mean, the the. The sun is
1: hot you know, in it my feel, mind. Like yeah. A, it feels like sweaty. This movie. Yeah. Almost. Like it's yeah, weird. And it, you're it right. Feels, the, um,
0: the raindrop scene is the only time that you have this warmth that. Yeah. That,
1: and this, the, it feels breezy sort of more. Yeah. But whereas the rest of this, like it's, I think this is a, it's an interesting movie because it's, again, this is such a specific thing, but like you feel almost how hot the actors must be in their costumes. And yeah, how that's what I'm saying and stuff like that. And, it's, it's, and especially and, through know. the chase scenes where yes, you're scrambling yeah. over rocks and you've got this
0: this gritty realism to the landscape and the sun. I mean, even the sun is chased, right? It's like against them. It's mm-hmm. you've got the oppression of the of the landscape. It feels like it's not welcoming. Yep. Now, it's beautiful. But it's not welcoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, let's talk to this because this is something that you're going to notice immediately in this film: is the
1: very, very, very wide usage of zooms. Yes, yeah, and I, not crashes, not like the typical only a couple. Western, yeah, yeah, only in a
0: couple moments. But we've got yeah. a lot of of uh, slow a lot zooms, of recompose yeah. right of slow zooms. We have a lot of recomposition with zooms. So we have a you know scene is framed, moves to another framing as the scene moves. Uh, as opposed to cutting, which is you know what 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 we'd often do today, you would also yeah. you'd often have a cut, another setup, and but. Um but you really don't have that. I was actually surprised at the usage of zooms. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, since uh, zooms were not, you know, I think what the um, Ingenue came out in like 63, I think. Yeah, yeah the first and, yeah, big one. yeah. And that that kind of began the usage of zooms in film. It didn't even really hardly happen much before then. This, I think, was a Panavision 50 to 500. Yeah, and, they, and especially,
1: I mean, because zoom, anamorphic zooms especially were such a hard thing to nail they were very such hard difficult with. like engineering wise too yeah. like that it was so difficult to get that to work because of all the moving parts and that if you move and the try anamorphic elements the then it'll yeah. it'll stretch differently so um so you can definitely tell that there's there's drawbacks to using you know they're not super fast either you don't really get the super shallow depth of field which is something that conrad hall loves that he likes really shallow depth of fields and he says you know he says that he doesn't like everything to be in focus and that he likes to to pinpoint moments. And um, so, yeah, very, uh, you know, just just the the way that the Zooms work, I'm a huge fan of it, again, and it was something that I really used for the Western that I did, which is just this, again, this idea that it's, you're not necessarily, like, pushing it on the audience that this is what's important, but you're rather letting... There's this, there's, there's a, you know, there's a really fundamental difference I think between crash zooming in on something and slow zooming in on something. Even well, and, and it's big a big difference between what
0: a modern film would, yes. of course you'd be dollying, yeah. you'd be yeah. using jibs, yeah. cranes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a very different feeling. I can imagine that this helped their setups, the speed at yeah. which they could shoot must have been, I mean, increased, <laughs> as, like, as someone who,
1: like, who, who basically grabbed <laughs> that entirely from the production. Very good. It yeah. also looks great that you're, you, you, you set the tripod down yeah it's not on a dolly you don't move it all you do is pan yeah you just follow the action by and it's and it's so simple but i i think that it's something that so many people overlook well they really because they want they want you know this dynamic camera to go in and out of the action or or well zooms zooms have almost been lost in the grammar of film today i mean
0: that you know it's and i can't tell you how many people i talk to fellow filmmakers people i respect but i mean I I think it's changing maybe a tiny little bit, but you know, it was like, how dare you put a zoom on a cinema camera like that? I mean, that was just no. I Mm -hmm. I shoot primes and I can't anybody shoots zooms like oh my gosh this is a travesty which is as you know
1: I'm a huge proponent of zooms I I, and that's
0: that's, I love zooms and my love for zooms started more in documentary and not so much you know changing focal length during a shot mid shot yeah but having that flexibility and that immediacy to reframe instantly to have that Mm -hmm. flexibility zooms have gotten so good I mean you can find very fast zooms very sharp zooms uh, in today's day and the day prices age, are coming down too. Yeah, prices are coming down. But I was just going to say, I'm a fan, and I, yeah. I I'm a fan, and I actually love seeing zooms from time to time in film, mm-hmm. and, and used as part of the grammar of film. And I don't know that I've ever seen a film that that used zooms grammatically the way this film to the mm-hmm. extent to which mm-hmm. this film uses it. Uh, so I highly recommend people if you're interested in seeing the zoom used. Uh, in a way that most films just would never, ever approach a Zoom. Check this film out.
1: Yeah, Watch it even the first, you, you know, I, I think what's so interesting too is is that you get, so the movie, of course, the opening credits of the film are, it's it's silent. It's a silent film. It's, like, it's almost like a silent short During film that qu- was actually directed right. by, I think, the second unit director. That's correct. Um, who was a real silent filmmaker, which I think is really cool that they wild. kind of got back into his, his game. And so it doesn't start, like, it's like almost like a little... Parody thing of, of Butch and Sundance, and it doesn't star Robert Redford or, or Newman. It's, it's, I think it's almost supposed to be faking as like archival footage. I think um, so. And, uh, and then you pull out of that. So it's all in sepia, pull out of that, and then we're in the movie. It's widescreen, but we're still in sepia or sepia or however it's pronounced. Um, and <laughs> I know and, what you're but saying. the first <laughs> shot is this zoom in on a window of a reflection. And then I think that what they must have done is used a polarizing filter to then shift the the reflection to uh, Paul Newman staring through the window. Right. And again, all in one shot, then he walks out of that door zoom out to show this town then zoom back in as he walks Mm -hmm. over the bank and it's it's we have like three setups in one shot yeah Yeah. and it's the only western i think i've ever seen where our main character who's a bank robber in the first scene walks into a bank and doesn't rob it um which i think is 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 great also can i just say that the that whole first setup with with basically the entire story being
0: told with inserts Mm -hmm. is fantastic Yes. As such an excellent efficiency of story, of visual storytelling. I love it. And one of my favorite
1: lines in a movie ever, which is when he says to the bank guard, you know, what happened to the old bank? It was beautiful. And he says, people (laughs) kept robbing it. Small price to pay for beauty. And (laughs) see, and there you go. I think this speaks to, I think you tie this
0: in with uh, the statement that you've mentioned previously about, you know, hey, it's your time has come. And I think you put these two things, these two lines together in the film, and you kind of have... I I think the theme of the film or what they're trying to kind of say uh, that that we lose something with civilization, that you lose something with, with rules and uh, an abundance of bureaucracy. And one of the things that you lose is a personality and you lose, um, a creativity and a freedom and you know it's it's yeah. it's the age-old kind of you know uh, equation of of what you gain and what you lose from civilization but
1: and, and what what's the interesting too is that first scene sort of goes by of Butch just kind of like looking at the bank um kind of nonchalantly like doesn't draw much attention to itself it's just kind of the opening nothing really major happens but i think what's what's interesting about that scene is when you go back and rewatch watch the movies you realize that that's kind of it is again speaking to the entire theme of the movie of the west being done the west dying that in a normal western the opening scene even in the wild bunch would be our main characters who are bank robbers entering a bank and robbing it, it. Up. and yeah. maybe something goes wrong but that's what that would be the opening scene but this movie <laughs> immediately tells you that it's not that because he goes into the bank and it's too secure for him you know they shut all the yeah. things they shut the the bank vault is like this big vault door now and so I, the first thing our main character realizes is, oh, crap, here comes the, the world's civilization. closing it's... in on you. Yeah, yeah the exactly. world is so changing. Yeah, It's really interesting how, it, you know, such a simple opening moment can and how efficient it is, too, that you get that piece of information. And then we immediately go over to Sundance, who, again, we, we get this great bit about that. You kind of see how stubborn Sundance is. and oh, it, great But character also how introduction. they both have a little yeah. bit of a sense of humor to them because it's this whole, like, why don't you ask us to stay? And, yeah. Um, so... Well, and I think it's a really brilliant opening and, and that it's in, and the fact that it's done in sepia too is, is I think to me, um, really and of course the film is bookend. Yeah. Well, actually not even just bookended because you have the montage,
0: which, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Oh, wow. kind of reproduces these old sepia photographs by, you know, yeah. kind of telling a piece of the story, um, during, you know, in New York, um, and before they go to South America. And then of course we bookend it with the, the freeze frame, um, basically mm-hmm. fading into a sepia and tone and a big so zoom a, out there yeah and so it kind of it's it's it, i think it's it's cute in the way they kind of present this as being you know a mostly factual story and of course in a very 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 general broad sense yes these people existed and some of these things are generically historically true but i like how they kind of present it as that it's like you know we're pulling this story out of history and we're kind of showing it to you close up and then we're putting it back on the shelves of history and kind of you know so it's that that's kind of the sense that i get this like going from sepia to color and then back to sepia it's like yeah yeah we're we're pulling the story off the shelf this old story and we're kind of you know pulling it up to our face close and observing it and then we're kind of okay we'll put it back
1: you know yeah Um, next time yeah and i I think what's, what's so I, real quick, I actually just yeah. a, a little tidbit on the cinematography that's, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think so that, that ending shot when it freeze frames and it mm-hmm. pulls out and it shows the entire square, I always have thought, and I, I still think that that is a, two shots composited. I think Well, that I think it some, has to be. I, yeah, because I, I don't think there's any way you would get that detail not on 35 on such a close up of yeah, and then no. pull out and be able to yeah. So I think I think it's it's got to be a composite. That's all I, I wanted to say. Yeah, to I you know and hey,
0: I'd love to hear from anybody if uh, if you know for certain, but that would be my guess because I don't even yeah. know if that were shot on 70. I don't know if there would be enough resolution, maybe, no, I but I doubt it because you pull softening. so far out. Yeah, you. Pull, yeah. I mean, it is. It's an extraordinary uh reveal there i mean you 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 are so tight in on the two of them and then and it's frozen so you've got a lot of time to criticize the the image if you you know yeah. and and because we hold on it for a very long time and then yet yeah, right we pull out to see the entire square the entire mm-hmm. um arena where this battle has taken place
1: um yeah. not a so typical or a difficult uh, effect to to pull off but yeah, I was they just pulled always it been off curious. very well yeah 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 it's, it's yeah. seamless because uh, i think what they would have probably done because they're kind of in an archway i think they likely would have just cut out the archway but um no but just to kind of little quick aside because i was curious to know yeah it's such a famous final shot so um but yeah but, i think yeah, let's let's maybe talk about a little bit about um well, music, let's, yeah, or, let's talk about yeah. some music, because I think the yeah.
0: music is a big part uh, of uh, of what makes this film unique mm-hmm. and what makes this film something quite a bit different than just your average Western, especially of this era. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it's one of the areas that that I I'm kind of torn on personally, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but, yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, on the one end, we have. um burt baccarat's score i don't even know score i would call it almost like songs because i don't yeah, even. Yeah, it right? yeah, it's there's, a soundtrack more so than a it's a soundtrack score. it's yeah. not a score and so i think that's a big difference because there's not, no
1: music that's a big point is that there's no yeah. music anywhere in the film except for the opening and closing credits and the montages no, right. nothing else in the movie very
0: very very different than let's yeah. say you know a spaghetti western of that same era the good and the yeah. bad the ugly i mean these like just you know, gigantic in scope scores.
1: Yes, like ecstasy um, of Gold and yeah. Right,
0: and so um, it's such a difference from that, and it's you know, um, it's definitely not of the of the era. It's mm-hmm. uh, anachron. What is that? Come on, help me. An, a- uh, an- anachronistic.
1: Anarch- <laughs> anachronistic. Yes, there you go. I almost said it- anarcho. Like, That's okay. <laughs> so it's uh, anarchy. Um
0: If anybody's like if, if anybody's you know uh with us this many episodes in, then they'll forgive us for that. We're trying our <laughs> yeah, best. I but, hope so. But uh, but basically what I mean to say by that is that it's music that is so clearly not of this era, right? Mm-hmm. It's nowhere mm-hmm. near the era that this is taking place in. So you've got, I mean, the, the biggest example of this is the raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah. And let's talk about that for a second because I mean, this is huge. The film literally stops, stops, Mm -hmm. and has a music video in it. Yeah, yeah. of of this playful bike ride. That it it just comes out of nowhere. You're not expecting this at all. I, I mean, look, I, you know, I knew about it. Of course, it's famous now. But I mean, if you were watching this film at the theater for the first time ever in 1969, I'm gonna imagine this is gonna
1: hit you over the head. Yeah, you know. Which I think so. I think what's funny, funny about that, I always understand when people are like i don't love that bit right or, or or that they even the score that they've you know when people aren't huge i love it like i love the you know every single part of it i, I actually have the score on my phone <laughs> that's awesome yeah you know, I, uh, I i think it's i think it's great um but i think the reason that i think it's great is almost because of how like silly it is and that yeah um you know playful. i know sam raimi very in, in spider-man 2 pulled from it because he that there's the big montage to raindrops in spider-man Two. yeah and it's very similar where it just kind of pauses for this happy montage um but i i don't know it's something about it to me like i i always think about it in a context of like if the movie didn't have that scene what would it feel like and i almost i almost mm. think that the movie sort of needs that scene because it we would almost change. need this final you know it's it's almost the right before things go wrong that this this happy and of course you can do that in different ways it doesn't have to be i mean there's there's ways to show happiness but i think in a mute a, a, this 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 musical movie has a very yeah. very heightened sense of style and i yes. think that, that in, a, in a very interesting way that it's um that i think anything else wouldn't really work like i think like you well, said, well it would be a different movie that, i mean there's no yeah, question it would be yeah. a different movie if this in, weren't in it, in, it sure. in the way that you said sort of the, that described it as like the set the, the sepia at the beginning and the end sort of seemed like you're taking this this movie off the shelf and dusting it off and looking mm-hmm. at this this old kind of you know um tableau of of this is a story of the wild west and i think that it i almost to me that's why it works is because it's a tale it's like a tale ah. of, of butch and sundance and it's so it's like a I mythology this as it's being like a fairy this, tale yeah it's like it's like yeah. a saloon tale of like and you would have you know some piano player dude, dude, dude and it very much goes along with this again this like silent movie kind of thing where yeah um it's just it's it's yeah i, I think that it, it I works mean, for me because of that that it, it it's because of the heightened sense if if the movie was different like if this was a you know if this was a uh if good, this a were a fistful ugly, of and dollars suddenly, and then right yeah, and suddenly and then... <laughs> put, you know the clint well, I mean, eastwood th- is riding on a bike it would make sense but
0: i mean it, it there's no question you know it that uh, i appreciate the choice um Mm -hmm. it's not a choice as a filmmaker that i would likely make for my own Mm -hmm. film but that's great i mean it and it it does feel a little odd and it kind of catches me off balance but you know i i so appreciate films that take risks like this and Mm -hmm. do interesting things that i mean look i'm always for it when i see it in a film i mean even if the choice seems a little odd to you i'm like i'm glad somebody made a strong choice you know i mean in the day and age of like Gosh, I just not to like take us way off the tracks here, but geez, I, just to see what in the world is going on in the world of modern film. I watched some of the the HBO Max Snyder cut of whatever oh, Justice, that League. Yeah. Justice yeah, League, yeah, Justice League, and I was just like, I mean, look, I'll take a choice like this any day over these fil- you know, this kind of mm-hmm. this modern kind of film. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I think
1: it's funny too because it's it's so the version of the song that's used in the movie is di- you can get it, but it's different than. The typical raindrops fall on my head so it's slightly altered like there's the big yeah. kind of almost circus sounding yeah 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 interlude yeah. when he's doing the tricks on the bicycle yeah and again it's like moments like that that kind of to me highlight how it, which it, by it, the to way I was, like were... yeah. I was impressed yeah i was impressed with did with, you know uh, that paul newman did all Actually, th- I mean, it's clear. Yeah. You
0: can clearly see it's him. But Paul Newman did all those bike stunts except for the last one where he falls into the fence. Into the fence. Yeah. Probably there were some like insurance issues or mm-hmm. something there. They didn't want him to get hurt. But But I, I, I think was... it's
1: very um you know, it just it yeah, it, it feels to me like this is Butch's and Sundance's life. Yeah. That it is ha- it, it is happy, carefree, riding on a bicycle. Um, with the, with my friend's girlfriend, I know, um, which
0: we're gonna get to in a minute. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna talk about that interesting kind of trifecta of a relationship. Yeah, here. but but yeah, I mean, songs versus score, uh, this musical interlude. I mean, and always, you know, when you have, I mean, that's what musicals are. Um, there there are you know a, a string of these put together. It's heightened. I mean, anytime you have a musical number in a film, it really heightens. Whatever that experience or moment is, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that that I have to burst out into song and dance. And it's almost in a way, uh, that these two are kind of I mean, they're not dancing in a traditional sense, but there is a dance going on to the music with the bicycle. Yeah. And there's very yeah. much like a physicality and the to work it. And, yeah. in, in the same way that there would be a physicality to a dance number. So yeah. It almost it, it really is just like a, a, a you can pe- see them like running
1: into the ending of hair or something and totally all the naked people
0: coming out of the forest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's and it's shot very differently. Like you describe, there's a warmth mm-hmm. to that and a romanticism to the shooting that's just not in any of the rest of the film. I mean, and, even, you know, there's the playfulness of like, you know, going through like the wood slat walls. There's like such a mm-hmm. playfulness with the cinematography and how it's shot. In the uh, bull,
1: I, I again, I still. That's the shot of the bull looking at him. That is uh, also a shot that is directly in the western that I made. We got a cow. <laughs> and There's you're gonna a moment have to... where the character faces down a cow as a joke, like a little nod. Uh, to you're gonna respect. have to. Uh,
0: we'll have to post a link uh yeah if your film is somewhere where people can see it we'll have to post a link so that people can check that out i i don't think i've seen it and i would like to see it or if maybe i've seen it it's a long time ago
1: but but it's just funny that yeah there's so much in the movie i always forget how much i necessarily stole from it because that even that (laughs) cow bit was accidental we just we had a cow when i was like it becomes
0: part of your psyche and then you know it it comes out through your pores you know later yes yeah so let's Um, talk let's talk a little bit about story let's talk a little yeah bit or about actually some... one
1: more thing i actually wanted to mention about the music as well oh, okay um i just wanted to jump in and say just just to talk about the little um the juxtaposition in the the, the south american bit that you've got again oh, okay there's a little bit of it there's an interesting bit because it's it's this montage of them robbing the south american banks in bolivia right and again it's like with this like poppy you know almost acapella sounding well there's again not typically acapella because there's instruments there are instrumentation but, like, but i guess like the, the, the vocalizations kind of music, yeah. yeah it's instead of um, lyrics
0: there's like vocalizations as instruments yeah, of yeah. them
1: of them robbing these banks so i just I, I always just think again it's funny that there's this again this lighthearted juxtaposition in the music of them robbing all these banks right uh, but yeah um uh yeah let's talk about the story let's uh, talk
0: about the story a little bit i mean not that we're gonna dive into plot but just mm-hmm. some some um Important points here, I think, that kind of stand out from a story perspective. I mean, you've got um, anti-heroes here that I think mm-hmm. this also kind of ties it into the, the the timing of this film. So you've got, you know, our, our two main heroes are super charismatic, handsome guys. They also happen to be criminals, you know. And as we move through the film, they end up killing people. and mm-hmm. But you definitely like them. You definitely are rooting for them. You want them to win. So I think it's interesting, you know, it's you you've got a couple anti-heroes here. I think that was something that was really starting to come into popularity at this time and their in playful American banter cinema. between each other, yeah. And oh well the, and that's huge. I mean, you we can talk a little bit too about cultural impact and how the film's aged, but right, you've got um you've got this this kind of it's a buddy film almost if you will mm-hmm, in a sense mm-hmm. and I think that uh this film likely had an impact on And inspired a lot of other films where a big part of the story is this banter back and forth, the relationship Mm -hmm. between these co-leads. And that could be, you know, from anything from, you know, um, 48 Hours or Lethal Weapon or any of the countless films. And
1: again, a very big departure from, I think, to me, any other Western. I can't think of another one that would have a similar dynamic of the two main characters because usually they were either bigger ensemble pieces mm-hmm. or they were kind of like the one one you know solo man who is silent kind of moves in and out very you know man, man with no, man name, with kind no of thing. name so i think that it's interesting that again it's very much a departure from that typical way of doing westerns and, and instead you get these kind of light-hearted nice again that's what's funny is that even though they're like robbing these trains and stuff like that you're on their side the whole time because they're so charming and i think that that, there's even a joke made about so david lowry made um the old man of the gun um, in 2018, which I was actually at the premiere of and, and got to shake Robert Redford's hand, which was really cool. Um, Did but, it just turn
0: um, into dust in your hand? I mean, he's what a yeah. I've kept <laughs> it in a jar
1: actually, but um, but that was that was his last like big movie, the one that he said he was retiring for. And yeah. very much the whole marketing scheme of that movie and and the I guess for lack of a better term, the aesthetic of that movie was very much synced towards Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The same font, um, like similar music choices. Yeah. And there's a moment in that movie, though, where he he robs a bank and it's a true story as well. And it even opens with the same title card this is most of what follows is true. And um, but the lady in the bank, when she's giving her statement to police, just sort of says, like, well, he was also kind of a gentleman, like he was very polite. And so right. I think that that's like, again, that kind of idea really, to me, stems from this movie that like you're, you've got you don't have to have mean people doing these things. And there's, of course, moments later on in the film where the the it gets very real and gets very grim and Mm. um you know when butch is forced to kill someone for the first time right and you get this slow motion scream of the bandits that they've just killed falling backwards into the dust and you know their guns flying away and and then just this silent shot of butch and sundance looking at the bodies and and well and then we have this total departure of
0: Catherine ross who is kind of
1: this you know this uh,
0: grounding kind of element to their relationship. Yeah. It, she is out of the pit, which I do find a little bit strange. I mean, a little bit from a story perspective, it, it seems kind of odd that that she is just absent from the film kind of abruptly It's yeah. a little bit strange to me. But, you know, I just want to go back, you know, some, I, look, I'm a huge fan when it comes to story. This is a simple story mm-hmm. told well. Very, it's very an extremely simple, yeah. simple story. And uh, and I think you and I were kind of discussing how it's it's so dissimilar to us to a lot of Westerns, especially, you know, the man with no name trilogy where you have these betrayals and these complex relationships and Mm -hmm. kind of plot twists and turns and, you know, uh, much more elaborate plots. I mean, it's it's hard to get any more simple than this plot. Yeah. And frankly, I mean, the latter half of the film is not much more than a chase in a sense. We've mm-hmm. got, you know, but the whole film is it's extremely simple, um, and I, you know, I'm curious. Like, I think you probably are a fan of the film's pacing. I think that was mm-hmm. something that uh, that critics at the time, were, were some critics were a little they were bit divided, yeah, divided on, um, and and I, it was something that I felt a little bit. I felt pacing was a you know the montage that we have in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know, it they're interesting choices. Um, and like I've already said, I respect that, but I did feel like there were some, you know, it's very simple plot. I feel like they could have even charged forward, you know, more more. strongly with, with like a, a, you know, with a little more oomph behind that. Um, you know, it's, but, but I, but I also see your point too, that this is kind of almost like a fairy tale or kind of like Mm -hmm. this mythology. That's
1: yeah. That's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. Like it's, it's, um, it's a tale that you would have heard in, in a saloon. Like, yeah, it's, it's this. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, I do think it's, it's again, the, the simplicity of the story to me is, is the, the best part of it. And I think because like, you know, I think every filmmaker would strive to get a script like this. Um, not necessarily in like the sense of dialogue, even though the dialogue is very good, but just in terms of the fact that it's, it's a really rich story, but still, very simple there's not Mm -hmm. a lot of moving pieces it's it's about two outlaws that you know are are on the run certainly Um,
0: stands in contrast to most most things today i feel like especially with this Uh this quote-unquote so-called second golden era of television um and limited series i think that i i feel like we've seen plot machinations become, oh gosh yeah everything's about plot everything plot is plot. so much yeah. about plot and uh and and i think films often try to keep up with that even though they've yeah. only got 90 or 120 minutes you know mm-hmm. they I, I feel like films are kind of many films feel an obligation to to keep up with the just full-on quantity of plot that yeah. our stories now seem to have i mean yeah. it's just you know
1: oh i mean i mean that's always my advice for any if any you know Filmmakers are out there listening to this um, is like whenever I'm trying to, you know, su- tighten up a script is just I just start cutting things like <laughs> the, the feature that I was doing right now. we I, The last draft, which became the shooting script, um, I cut an entire character out of it and yeah. it solved so many problems when it came to you know, why are things happening? How does this happen? Where, where does this go? What am I supposed to do with this character while they're, you know, and it, I just, so I just cut them out and put kind right. of their functions on, on well, everything character. I feel like
0: has to have, you know, uh, an A, a B, a C, a D story. I mean, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Or I guess for you know another way to say it uh, would be subplots. So yes, uh, yeah. everything feels like it has to have so many of these threads, and like you've got to cut
1: away to the B. At you've one point. always yeah, right, yeah. and
0: and yes, and and uh, and that can get kind of wild. So I do really mm-hmm. appreciate that about this film, and I think that you know that's where films I think really shine. I mean that they don't have to be the same as. Not to get again, like I keep getting off on these tangents, but there's a place for all of them. There's a place mm-hmm. for these really complicated stories to be told. Like the Godfather. or something. Yeah. And and but there's a place for very simple. And I feel like it's really where a film shines when you've only got again in 90, 120 minutes. It's a simple story told well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about kind of world creation which we haven't talked a ton about, or not not directly, but indirectly. But I mean, this this film does do a fantastic job of very quickly and efficiently setting up the world. And that's mm-hmm. everything from, like you had mentioned in the opening titles, we have the silent film footage, you know, the fake, violent film. Uh, we have the sepia openings and closings. We've got, you know, even in the montages, which I do feel like kind of take a little bit of the pacing away from the film, we have this world building that we, mm-hmm. we really get a sense of the era that uh, that we're in in this film, uh, and it's very successful at doing that. Yeah. But yeah. So well, I mean, to kind of wrap up, I mean, I've got a couple questions for you. I, I'm going to consider you the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid expert. Uh, <laughs> c- certainly, between the two of us, you are. I'm cu- I'm curious, kind of. I mean, how how do you feel like the film has aged? Now, obviously, I know that from a personal perspective you still very much love yes. the film. So yeah. that's not a question. Like so that, I've got to I, divide my bi- personal so you, bias. So you've <laughs> yeah. got to take your, yeah, try as best you can. I know it's impossible to completely do so, but as best mm-hmm. you can, you know, how do you feel like the film has aged uh, the, as far as story goes and kind of technical presentation?
1: I think so. Okay. So for me, I think that the, uh, it's very much a product of its time, right? but in a good way i don't think it's something that you know i i I don't think i've ever shown this movie to somebody and they've said um oh that's very you know late 60s early 70s but i don't like it like i Mm -hmm. think usually it's a it's more along the lines of like that's a really you know again for example the the raindrop scene or just the use of montage and the the music in it and um you know every time i've kind of heard comment about that it's more so being in a positive sense than a negative sense right so, it's like
0: i can tell the era that it was made in yes. but that's okay yeah. it doesn't very distract. much yeah. you know
1: similar to something like like a you know jaws which is i think to me there's a lot of things in jaws that are very very 1975 <laughs> but those are all things that i like about the movie and yeah. i think that, that everyone sort of likes about them and that that i think almost when you, it's interesting that you mentioned world building that I find that the sixties elements to this movie and the, the sort of more dated elements of it are almost a part of the world building too, that it's almost mm. like it almost contextualizes the movie and why choices were made, which yeah. I think is really interesting. Um like there's nothing in this movie that I could really think of that I would say um has necessarily aged poorly that has that has kind of gone and you may disagree, you might actually have moments like even down to and I, I was actually gonna mention this in the the cinematography section, I forgot, but you know, the day for night in this movie, I think is incredible. Ah, the the they, day for, the, that all of the outdoor night scenes when yeah. they're being chased you know is all daytime. It is, yes, and it's I day think for it night. it looks really, really it good. It looks okay.
0: really good. I yeah. actually, you know... Even on funny, the shitty transfers. <laughs> I, it's funny that you've mentioned that. Well, and it's my understanding that on the Blu-rays, they actually, it's not timed correctly, and it looks mm-hmm. even better um, if it were appropriately timed. Probably, but yes, but it's, yeah. it's 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 actually, that it's over... It's this way too much. Um, the blacks are too high, I think. Blacks, it's, it's... the black levels, thank you, are way yeah. too high. Um, yeah. So
1: I, yeah, I actually am really impressed. You're right. Mm-hmm. Like from no, technical... yeah, the other, the for for a lot of movies after this have tried to do day for night, and not done it. Not done it as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if I imagine, you know, somebody just watching this, I think, you know, the Zooms might date it in a way a little Mm -hmm. bit, but, Mm -hmm. but, but not because uh, people. I mean, I don't think people used Zooms like this even back then, but Mm -hmm. because it's so, so rarely, if ever that a filmmaker uses a zoom lens today, that's probably something that somebody might say, Hey, that dates it. This is, looks a little strange. I'm not used to this grammar because people are just not used to zooms being used in this way anymore. So that might date it a little bit, but again, Mm -hmm. I'm actually kind of a fan of the zoom. So for me, this isn't a problem. I enjoy seeing it, but I imagine somebody else watching it that might stick out to them.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would agree. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are, again, I just said earlier that there's, there's a lot of people that are very, very anti-zoom which i think is really yeah, funny because both it for is. ease of use and i think for hey you know, it's just another tool, tool. it's exactly, like it's a tool exactly. in the toolbox so okay yeah. you know and i think i would agree with
0: you overall i think that that although you can certainly tell the era that this film was made i think that it it's certainly a part of its charm now and doesn't mm-hmm. make the film kind of unviewable or doesn't lose its charm and i mean look it's you know paul newman and robert redford is the leads or it's you'd be hard pressed to find two yeah, more charismatic can't really actors go wrong there yeah right you know, e- know even amongst like you know actors who are currently living i can hardly think of somebody who would have done you know uh, uh been more charismatic in those roles so
1: yeah i mean i think you know any last words on kind of i mean cultural i think I, impact th- or one thing is like I, I think again to to think of of the the elements of of just the whole movie as a whole is is what i always kind of like to do with movies like this is think about okay if it was remade today what would it be like and i think that it would lose so much of its charm i think it would lose so much of its you Mm. know wears its choices on its sleeves but i think that that really helps it and i think that um i think again just the elements that are really a product of its time um are are things that that heighten the movie for me mm-hmm. um so i yeah so i think that you would lose so much character if you pulled a lot of that stuff out and, and mm-hmm. that uh, yeah that it would become less special it would become less kind of like
0: uh, unique unique yeah, yeah yeah well awesome i uh and i i think i you know you mentioned a handful of things we did kind of throughout about its impact i think certainly and and like uh with buddy films there's been a yes this film yeah. has had a large impact i think it, and even it's, to video games again that i think even it's in so the video games that,
1: that the move or a game like you know red Dead redemption 2 which came out i think yeah 2018 right has references to this in the game but also that yeah. the fact that the creators rockstar like told their employees watch this film because this is one of the yeah because that of course is again about the, the kind of downfall of the wild west so
0: right yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent well i i am i it, it's like a, you know especially um you know, I feel like, and this is probably one of the best examples of this. Watching this film or kind of discussing it through your eyes, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. being such a fan, has like once again heightened my appreciation of it, uh, which is awesome. I, it's really one of the fringe benefits of doing these podcasts. I and I hope that uh, you feel the same way after having discussed one of the films that I have yeah. maybe an initial greater. Um, connection or relationship with you. Uh, mm-hmm. And hopefully, the listener, I hope out there that maybe we're contributing to that your furthered, increased enjoyment of these movies as well. That would be an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. Definitely. So, on that note, uh, we'll look forward to next time. We'll have mm-hmm. to see what film we're going to do. Ooh, how exciting. Um, but until then, uh, thank you so much for tuning in.